Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 6 a.m. Central Standard Time. It's the 11th of February, 2021. This is episode 365 of Bitcoin. And we've got a year's worth of podcasts as of today. 365 days in a year, 365 podcasts. And it only took me two, what, and a half years to get to that number. I don't know how that works. I mean, I don't do podcasts on the weekend, but still... I thought we'd be past 365 by now. In either event, <coughs> if you do want to help me get uh, some some of these uh, numbers up, you can always help by giving me a five-star review over at Apple iTunes on their podcast section. And you can share and you can like and you can subscribe and you can do all of the things that you have to reach for to be able to, you know, help me get this podcast out to more people. And that's always appreciated because why? Well, because it's your time when you do these, these things for me, it's time that you'll never be able to recover. So that does not go without my greatest appreciation. Today, we're going to get into some ATMs spitting out Bitcoin. We're going to get into some Birds trying to eat the corn that is a staple food in bird seed. We got we got bottle pay on the way. I cannot wait. <clears throat> we'll get into that. We got some lightning stuff. We got some Amazon being stupid. We've got General Motors being kind of dumb. Actually, we've got a whole raft of FUD to go through. Why am I telling you the FUD? So you know how to combat it. <clears throat> so you know how to start formulating your arguments, your one-line arguments against it. So when people who are still addicted to mainstream news comes to you and says, hey, I heard that you're going to boil the oceans. Yeah, it won't be a surprise. That's why I tell you exactly the nature of the FUD. Uh, and let's see, is there anything? Yeah, we got, oh, we, got some, we got some news. So let's just go ahead and roll right into it with this one from Bitcoin Magazine's Nick Hoffman. In a first for a commercial bank, Blue Ridge ATMs are now selling Bitcoin. This was written sometime yesterday. Banks are increasingly changing their stance on Bitcoin to meet their customers' demands. And as of today, you can now buy and redeem Bitcoin at 19 Blue Ridge Bank ATM locations per a press release. Quote, Blue Ridge Bank has announced that for the first time in U.S. history, a commercial bank is providing access to Bitcoin at its branch locations. Cardholders can purchase and redeem Bitcoin at 19 Blue Ridge Bank ATM locations consisting of both branch and offsite ATMs, according to the press release. Uh, though Bitcoin and cryptocurrency-specific ATMs where customers can exchange fiat for BTC have been around for years, this is the first instance of a commercial bank updating its existing ATM network to accommodate Bitcoin. This was all made possible with the help of BTC ATM software provider, Liberty X, and Blueprint ATM solutions. Quote, for years, 
Consumers have been asking for the ability to buy Bitcoin from their banks, said Liberty X CEO Chris Yim, according to the release. Quote, now they can also buy Bitcoin at their local bank ATMs. End quote. This catering to customers demand for Bitcoin access echoes sentiments from Tesla, which made headlines this week for investing in Bitcoin and revealing plans to accept it as a payment. <clears throat> Bitcoin adoption is now on the rise, but... But now it looks like it's starting to intensify. Who will be next to bend the knee to Bitcoin? I don't know, man. <laughs> With the amount of FUD that's going on, I'm surprised these guys have done what they've done. Um, Tesla. <clears throat> well, actually not Tesla. This is Twitter. But Tesla started it as they have this tendency to have cranked up the whole damn machine. So crypto potatoes, uh, Jordan Leinchev is going to tell us about this one. After Tesla, Twitter considers adding Bitcoin to its balance sheet, says the company's chief financial officer. Uh, Twitter chief financial officer Ned Segal, or Siegel, however you want to pronounce it, said that the giant social media platform is looking into potentially putting Bitcoin into its balance sheet. Additionally, the executive said that Twitter is exploring options to accommodate employees and vendors if they request to be paid in the first ever cryptocurrency. It seems that Tesla's purchase of $1.5 billion in Bitcoin has changed the game as numerous mainstream media outlets have taken the initiative to ask other companies about their views and potential involvement with the asset. Twitter CFO Ned Siegel was the first to receive such a question during an appearance on CNBC's Squawk Box. He commented that the social media platform is watching closely what other companies do to learn from their moves, and Tesla's BTC purchase did not go unnoticed. Siegel noted that Twitter is exploring the possibilities of placing the primary cryptocurrency into its balance sheet, but only if the demand for it is there. Quote, when we think about our balance sheet, we think about how it's invested and the currency in which it is in, it is invested relative to how we might pay people. We have done a lot of the upfront thinking to consider how we might pay employees. Should they be asked or should they ask to be paid in Bitcoin? Or how do we pay the vendor if they ask to be paid in Bitcoin? And whether we need to have Bitcoin on our balance sheet should that happen, end quote. Although Twitter is considering this option, Siegel said that the company hadn't made any changes yet. Upon receiving the question about Twitter's views on Bitcoin, Siegel was referenced or referred to the company's CEO, Jack Dorsey, a well-known BTC supporter. Square, the financial services company that Dorsey also runs, bought $50 million in Bitcoin in late 2020. <clears throat> yeah, he made out like bandits on that move, dude. Additionally, the executive updated his Twitter bio to display the word Bitcoin last year. And hasn't changed it yet. Dorsey also praised the cryptocurrency while defending Twitter's decision to ban the account of the former U.S. President Donald Trump. As such, the executive running a Bitcoin node could be the final piece that weighs in to Twitter's decision to put BTC on its balance sheet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the executive running a Bitcoin node. Yeah, he did run a Bitcoin node. There's something about this statement from the CFO, uh, Ned uh, Siegel, that is kind of troublesome. And it was responded to by uh, Michael Saylor. Let's read the quote again. <clears throat> when we think about our balance sheet, we think about how it's invested and the currency in which it is invested relative to how we might pay people. Okay, that's an action, paying people. Uh, done a lot of upfront thinking to consider how we might pay employees, should they be asked. How do we pay the vendor? Should they ask? Okay, these are all actions that require the movement of, of Bitcoin 
and using it as a store of, or not a store of value, but a uh, medium of exchange. <clears throat> now, I had talked earlier about the fact that I believe that not only Bitcoin is a, media, is a store of value, I think it's going to end up being also a medium of exchange. Now, apparently, this is why I don't work for Goldman Sachs, because I'm just... a I'm just too stupid to get it. Either something is a store of value or it's a medium of exchange, unless it's the U.S. dollar, in which it's supposed to be both. But honestly, <clears throat> it's only one of those. <clears throat> and medium of exchange, in this case, for the dollar, means basically continued depletion of the store of your life's time and work. That's all that really means, honestly. <laughs> Now, Michael Saylor's rebuttal to this is the fact that you don't have to actually use it to pay people. And in Michael Saylor's case, he's made it quite clear he's not interested in it as a medium of exchange. He wants it as a store of value. He's tired of watching all his money basically fade, you know, fade from, from this earth as the money printers go burr. I truly believe that it's both. However, on this, on this particular thing where the CFO is talking it seems that he's firmly plugged in to the medium of exchange instead of the fact that it's a store of value. I think without both sides of those stories, I think you're really, I think these guys are kind of missing the bit, the larger picture here. And I, I'm not suggesting that the CFO, that I'm smarter than the CFO, clearly not. I'm not a CFO that works for Twitter now, am I? I'm also not chastising Michael Saylor all that hard because I didn't build a company that was worth, you know, billions and billions and billions of dollars. Now, did I? No, I didn't. However, I am a human walking around on the face of the planet. I do have uh, electricity and uh, chemistry running around in my brain, so I can form thoughts. And those thoughts basically say this. If you refuse to see Bitcoin as both a store of value and a medium of exchange, you're just hindering yourself to the future. <clears throat> it's both. It can be both. It will be both. It's already clearly a store of value. I, that, argument's, that argument was settled, in my opinion, a couple of years ago, at least. But the medium of exchange part, we're, we're still dealing with that. Right? And we're going to be dealing with that for a while. But thankfully, banks are actually starting to put it into their ATMs, so it shouldn't be too much longer. And now we have bottle pay that comes along with the whole medium of exchange where it comes to Bitcoin. Bottle pay lets the <clears throat> United Kingdom users send Bitcoin to anyone on social media. Now, you may remember these guys, you may not. <clears throat> this is not bottle pay's first rodeo. In fact, bottle pay was one of my favorite all-time ways to use social media to tip people Bitcoin, in this case, like, you know, minor amounts of Satoshis um, across Twitter and whatnot like that. And it worked like a charm. I mean, it always worked. I never had a problem with bottle pay. And then because of re the regulatory landscape and FATF travel rule and all kinds of crap that was coming down the pipe, they had to shut down shop. I think it was a year and a half to two, almost. Yeah, I think it was more like a year and a half ago. Bottle Pay just went away. Well, Bottle Pay never died. Bottle Pay is now back. And Tim Copeland's going to tell us the details from Decrypt. Bitcoin wallet, wallet startup Bottle Pay launched in the UK yesterday, making it easier to send Bitcoin Lightning payments to people using their social media handles. 
The app works as a basic Bitcoin wallet, letting you store Bitcoin both on-chain and on the Lightning Network. You can also trade between the Great British Pound and Bitcoin in the app, but the app's focus is making it frictionless to send Bitcoin to other people via social media. CNBC journalist Roma Burchett, I, there's, I'm, I'm hopeless when it comes to these names, guys, sorry. Experienced this yesterday when she was unexpectedly gifted some Bitcoin via either her mobile number or her Twitter account tweeting, quote, which Chris just sent me a fraction of a Bitcoin? Who are you? Why are you sending me one pound 62? <laughs> oh my God. She's nice. Good job, man. Um, and let's see, she's got a copy of the uh, bottle pay message. Um <clears throat> uh, Oh, this looks like it's going to be over her uh, messages. Bottle pay uh, mess, uh, message account says, Chris just sent you one pound 62 via bottle pay. Claim with our app. Find out more at bottlepay.com. Okay, so she didn't have a bottle pay account. So bottle pay's uh, account notified her that if she wants to claim that thing. Uh, so I, I guess it was, okay, the, the message was sent via her messenger. <clears throat> But it seems clear that whoever sent it sent it to one of her social media uh, handles, and somehow or another, Bottle Pay got was able to send her a messenger number. Which I don't know, it's a little creepy, but I like the guys over at Bottle Pay, so I'm going to give them a pass. I just hope they don't screw this up. For those who don't have the app installed, when you send Bitcoin to someone's phone number or social media handle, it texts them a link to download the app where it will be able to receive the funds. If you already have the app, then the money will get sent to them as fast as the money can move. And if it's lightning, then basically it's that's instantaneous. The app works with social media apps, including Discord, Reddit, Twitch, Twitter, and even file sharing platform GitHub. Oh, nice. The Bitcoin Lightning Network is a second layer solution built on top of the main Bitcoin network. It allows anyone to send fractions of a Bitcoin within a few seconds using QR codes. The cost of sending a transaction is minuscule, particularly compared to mainnet Bitcoin fees. The app is currently available on both iOS and Android in the UK, and it will be expanding to Europe shortly. So I'm not going to be able to get my bottle payback for a while, people, uh, probably since I am in the United States and most other nations view us as financially toxic because they don't want to deal with the SEC, the CIA, the FBI, black ops, and, and having freaking, I don't know, aircraft carriers sent to monitor their, you know, who it is that they're doing business with in in the United States, considering that we are apparently all financially fucking toxic. Lightning Network node count hits record high. The total value of Locktop's 42 million. Yeah, I know. It ain't big, rather DeFi numbers. But then again, you know what Lightning's not designed to do? Yield farm raw fish or trade one token yield for another token yield for another token yield in this weird round robin scam fest that is DeFi. But Cyrus McNally is going to tell us a little bit more about it from Cointelegraph. The Lightning Network has grown 75% in size over the past year, hitting a record high 8,900 nodes for the first time on February the 8th, according to LN monitors at Bitcoin Visuals. 
The significant proportion of the increase occurred more recently, suggesting that some Bitcoiners are gravitating toward the Layer 2 solution, potentially as a means of escaping ever-increasing transaction fees. The total locked or BTC locked in LN channels has remained in the 1,000 to 1,100 range since August of 2020. However, the total dollar value has risen 250%. In the intervening months, translating to a record $42.72 million currently locked on the network. The total number of channels between nodes currently stands at about 38,600, which is the highest since May of 2019. This count does not represent channels between private nodes. Okay, that's really important to remember here. Three years after its launch, the Lightning Network is still facing an uphill battle to onboard new participants and has yet to achieve a meaningful level of adoption. Many regular users of Bitcoin are off-put by the technical requirements of funding a Lightning node and maintaining a channel, preferring to stick with on-chain transactions until the experience becomes less daunting. However, big exchanges have begun to adopt the network. In December of 2020, Kraken shared its plans to integrate the Lightning Network. During the first half of 2021, OKX made a similar announcement early last week and expects to roll out Lightning support in the coming quarter. Bitfinex has offered far less conversions, uh, or sorry, which has offered fee-less conversions of LN funds over the year, has taken the additional step of also supporting Liquid BTC, which is Blockstream's competing smart contract-driven L2 solution. Both Lightning and Liquid BTC can readily be exchanged for BTC on-chain at Bitfinex. As more exchanges onboard second-layer-based deposit and withdrawal options for BTC, inter-exchange fund transfers are predicted to become much faster and cheaper, with standard transaction fees being replaced with Lightning, Lightning's median base fee of one Satoshi. The Lightning Network was originally conceived by Joseph Poon and Thaddeus Dreija, who published their white paper on the subject in January of 2016, recognizing the limitations of Bitcoin's then one megabyte block size cap. Poon and Dreija set out to create a way in which Bitcoin transactions could be made off-chain. The result was an independent smart contract-based network that has the potential to help Bitcoin scale to a much higher throughput of transactions per second. So... There you go. Now, here's the deal. Yes, it is true that Lightning, in my opinion, is underutilized. Yes, it's true that that underutilization is probably due to the technical difficulties associated with managing channels. It's not hard to spin up a Lightning node. I've got one. God knows I've got one. However, channel management is a different deal. And I found that out myself. I like when I first got my lightning note, I was like, yeehaw, buddy, let's go. So I was opening channels. I was contacting people. I had a channel open with Matt O'Dell. I had a channel open with a couple of my friends on Twitter. It was great, man. I had like eight channels open and all of them were shitty channels. Why? <clears throat> because I wasn't actively managing them. I wasn't making sure that those channels were balanced between outgoing liquidity and incoming liquidity so me it being replicated a few you know thousand times across the globe uh cause you know basically causes the lightning network not to have its true adoption but then i start thinking about the like the great hoover dam uh in the united states which is one of the which is a dam that holds back pretty much i i one of the one of the largest amounts volumes of water in the united states When they built that thing in the 30s, 
or started rather building that thing in the uh, I guess late twenties or you know throughout the thirties. It took it, it took a long time to build. It's a lot of concrete, man. Um, when they started building it, <clears throat> it took a long time for them to come up to a certain level. And as they're building this thing, you know they're they're diverting the river through basically through the mountain. <clears throat> So they build this thing way like all the way, you know, basically all the way to the top to make sure that the bottom layers have had enough time to cure, like cement actually needs to cure for a while, uh, before they before they dammed up the hole that they had or the tunnel that they had built for the river, uh, the Colorado uh, River to pass through, right? <clears throat> so this thing's almost built, contains almost no water because the, the river's uh, free flowing. And then at one point or another, they pull the trigger and dynamite the tunnel that all the water's flowing through, basically ending the river's chance to be able to, to flow freely and starts filling up the reservoir. Okay, so the reservoir is going to be able to hold X, you know, X, I don't know, decaliters of water. Until it gets to a certain level where it has to overflow, then and only then will the overflow um, infrastructure that was built into the dam be utilized, right? That's what's going on here. Like I looked at liquid, like the, I uh, was using, I think, I can't remember which block explorer I was using, but it, it gave me the option to look at liquid. You know, liquid has like one minute blocks and you know how many transactions are in those blocks? Like one, three. If I was Roger Ver, I'd be making fun of it, but I'm looking at it from the standpoint of when you are needed, you will be utilized. <laughs> when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. It's the same type of Zen, man. You just got to chill out, bro. You got to be like, like the dude in, in the Big Lebowski. You've literally got to be able to take everything on the chin, all FUD, all the shit that people say. You've just got to be able to calm down take a bath with a ferret and smoke a joint with some candles, man. And don't try to lose the rug because it really ties the room together, dude. Zen. When these, when liquid and lightning become utilized, it will be the signal that the reservoir of transactions on layer one is completely saturated. It appears to me that we are not there yet. High fees, long wait times, it does not matter. The reservoir will fill with the water that it fills with to the height that it is designed to until the overflow infrastructure takes over. All right, that's where we're at right now. But we're getting to the top. We're getting to the top. Okay, just chill out. Amazon is hiring developers for their own shitcoin project. Jeff Benson tells us about it from decrypt.co. And he wrote this sometime yesterday. After news came out this week that Tesla had purchased 1.5 billion in Bitcoin in January, speculation ramped up as to which corporate player would be the next to put BTC on its books or make a bullish move to attract crypto using customers. Online retailer Amazon, which the crypto industry is closely watching, remains committed to fiat for now, but is experimenting with alternatives. You should just really buy Bitcoin. It's much easier. As originally reported by Coindesk, Amazon's Digital <coughs> and Emerging Payments, or DEP division, is working on a new digital currency project to be launched on Mexico. God, the poor unsuspecting Mexicans getting yet a, a 
another corporate shitcoin. Oh, joy. It's seeking to hire software development managers and engineers, according to posts on the Amazon Jobs website. Quote, we are looking for a leader to help us launch a new payment product, starting with Mexico as our initial launch country. This product will enable customers to convert their cash into digital currency using which, oh God, using which customers can enjoy online services, including shopping for goods and or services like Prime Video. Yeah, that's their statement. That's their statement word for word, and they can't even form sentences. Welcome to 2021 and large corporations that can't write fucking copy. The earliest job posting was listed in October of 2020, but recently updated. The job posts themselves don't have a lot to go on as far as the digital currency can be referred to, but a digital payment or rather in, but Amazon, sorry, God, Amazon already has its own currency, Amazon coins, its digital equivalent to Disney dollars, which can be used in the app stores, in-app items like gems, boosters, and power-ups. I've never even seen Amazon coins. This is honestly, I use Amazon all the time. This is the first I've actually heard about it which means that their marketing division really needs to brush up. And that's coming from me, a guy who can't market his own own podcast. <laughs> Jesus, that's sad. Oh, now, now could be the time for Amazon to make moves beyond creating a game token. Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos is preparing to step down and give the reins to Amazon Web Services CEO uh, Andy Jassy, who launched the Amazon Managed Blockchain Service during his tenure. <clears throat> Jassy inherits a company that doesn't yet allow purchasers to use PayPal, let alone Bitcoin. Instead, it incentivizes customers to use its branded credit card and collects the interest. Any move into cryptocurrency then would have to make financial sense. Still, regardless of the direction one of the biggest companies in the world takes, it can afford to experiment. The worst that can happen is, well, a new digital currency. Uh, Or, and this is me talking here, a new company that does exactly what Amazon is doing, except is built on Bitcoin and Lightning Network and Liquid Rails. Hey, don't don't laugh, don't laugh. Amazon Amazon stole almost all book uh, uh, traffic from B Dalton Bookstore, Walden Books, who in turn were eviscerated by Barnes and Noble and uh, like Borders and stuff like that. Well, now those guys in turn have been eviscerated by Amazon, which is now eviscerating everything on the planet. Don't think it can't happen to Amazon. I'm not saying it will. I'm just saying, don't think that it can't happen. And if somebody decides, you know what, screw this. We don't need that much money because there, there are literally people who are, who are just kind of done playing the game. I'm, I'm one of them. I don't need billions of dollars. I don't want billions of dollars. I don't want to, I don't want to walk around with an, a freaking entourage protecting my ass. Okay. Let's say I was that successful everywhere. Jeff Bezos goes, he has to have bodyguards. I don't want to do that, man. That just sounds like a big, huge pain in the ass. And yeah, yachts are great, I guess, but how many islands can you sail to? And I'm not saying you shouldn't want that. I'm just saying, you know, there's going to be somebody who comes along who does literally does not give a shit. And that person very well may supplant somebody like Jeff Bezos or his new CEO and build a company that supplants Amazon because they just, they don't want the interest rates off of their branded visa card. They don't care. They want a world that's fair. All right. So just saying, we don't plan to invest in Bitcoin says CEO of company that made the Pontiac Aztec. (laughs) 
If you don't remember that one, don't worry. We'll get into it. Turn or write Cointelegraph.com uh, sometime yesterday. Mary Barra, who has served as the chief executive officer of General Motors for seven years, said the company has no immediate plans to emulate Tesla's Bitcoin purchase. Mm. During GM's Q4 2020 earnings call today, Barra said that the firm would monitor demand for customers wanting to pay for vehicles using Bitcoin, but didn't intend to make a massive crypto purchase like Tesla just yet. Quote, this is something we'll monitor and we'll evaluate, she said. If there's strong customer demand for it in the future, there's nothing that precludes us from doing that. Uh, we don't have any plans to invest in Bitcoin, so full stop there. Okay, that's really weird. End quote. A United States institution, General Motors, has not always been on the forefront of innovation. The firm scrapped one of its earlier mass, earliest mass-produced electric vehicles, the EV1, in the early 2000s. Then-CEO Rick Wagner later called this one of the worst decisions during his time at GM in terms of the company's image. However, the company is not entirely dissociated from the Bitcoin or the, uh, sorry, the blockchain ecosystem. GM currently holds several blockchain-based patents, of course, including one, uh, ones to manage data from autonomous vehicles and continuously updates a vehicle's navigation map system. You don't need a blockchain for that, guys. In addition, the firm, along with other auto manufacturers, launched the Mobility Open Blockchain Initiative, a group aiming to improve transportation using blockchain technology. In the wake of tech Tesla's $1.5 billion acquisition this week, some executives at major companies have been directly asked if they will allow the car manufacturers ex follow the car ex manufacturer's example and invest in crypto. Uh, or consider offering it for payments in the future. And then we get into, they go and recap the whole Ned Siegel thing from Twitter, the Twitter CFO. Now check it out. This is the same, this is the same thing. Mary is not looking at Bitcoin as a store of value of their cash on hand. Maybe they don't have a whole lot of cash on hand. I mean, we'd have to go to the SEC filings to find out what, what kind of cash uh, liquid and liquid assets they were uh, sitting on at the end of their last filing. But one thing is for certain, with the attitude of Mary uh, and, and coupling that with the attitude of, of uh, Ned Siegel from Twitter, it looks like they don't get it yet. They're, they're still looking at it. I don't know if it's, and I honestly don't know if that's a bad thing because these guys are like, well, if we're looking at it, we're just looking at it as a payment system. Okay, we kind of need that too, right? We need, uh, we need people looking at it from different perspectives. However, it seems like Elon Musk um, and uh, at least Twitter CEO, uh, who, like uh, Square, or rather Square CEO, who put $50 million of Bitcoin on Square's books, you know, Jack Dorsey, they, they get it. And certainly Michael, Sa Michael Saylor gets it. As far as far as a store of value, but now what's the the it looks like what's you know what was coming into this field of view now is people that don't look at at it as a store of value for their company and they should. However, I can't dismiss the fact that they are looking at an important aspect of Bitcoin's future, which is payments. I believe truly that it needs to be both. I don't think it has to be both right now. I can wait. I've waited for a long time. God knows I can wait some more, and so can you. And while we're doing that, we'll run the numbers.
Okay, CNBC.com, futures and commodities. Uh, oil is down, not much though. Uh, West Texas Intermediate is down 0.6%, bringing it to $58.32 a barrel. Brent North Sea doing better, $61.05 per barrel. Um, that's not bad. Natural gas is swinging to the upside by 2%, almost to $3 for 1,000 cubic feet of that stuff. Uh, all the metals uh, are up. Yep. Precious shiny metal rocks are all up, although in a mess sort of way, except for platinum. Gold is up 0.027%. Silver is up almost a half a percent. Platinum is up one and a half percent almost. Copper is up 0.19%. Palladium is up a third of a percent. Indices, uh, everything is up in a very meh sort of way. Dow futures up a quarter, S&P futures up a quarter, NASDAQ futures up almost a half, and the S&P mini is up a quarter. Let's talk about real money. Bitcoin is at $46,477 after that 40, like we dipped below, what was it? I think we actually dipped into the 40 top uh, high 43 sometime last night. Not sure, but we definitely dipped below 45,000 for a good part of the day yesterday. But now we're back up uh, well above 46,000 to 46,477. And I do believe that that is my high. It is my high. So where's my low? My low is going to be over at, oh, good Lord. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be hit BTC at... 46,255 with 300,000 transactions performed in the last 24 hours. That's 12,500 transactions on average per hour with 623,000 BTC being sent in that 24 hour period. That's about 26,000 BTC being sent every hour on the hour. And 2.08 BTC is the average transaction value, while the median transaction value is 0.022 BTC, or about a thousand bucks. Now, like months ago, I was getting used to saying that it was about 300 bucks for the median transaction value, but now we've we've tripled that. So, welcome to the future, people. Block times are high. I guess we had a difficulty adjustment. Either that or a whole bunch of hash rate left. I don't know. We'll find out. 11 minutes and 10 seconds. 1.3 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis. 162.6 BTC being taken overall in the last 24 hours for fees. We've had a almost 4% drop in hash rate, bringing us all the way back down to 151.6 exahashes per second, which is pretty good. Doge hanging out at 0.073, so Elon's not really able to move that price right now. Everything else is, well, who's screwing them? 89,050 or 62 transactions are waiting for 84 blocks to clear. Uh, We have $864 billion in market cap, and that represents 7.21% of gold's uh, total market cap. Right now, you can trade one Bitcoin, if I guess if you're stupid, for 25 ounces of gold. <clears throat> we have uh, 18,625,700.23 BTC in circulation as of the last audit, which is every 10 minutes. Uh, we have 1,073.4 BTC in the Lightning Network. That's just 
shy of $50 million in value. That is run over 8,834 nodes, representing 37,828 channels. Now, the Tor capacity looks like it may have increased a little bit. 53.1% of the Lightning Network is now run over Tor. And Tor the Tor side of Lightning contains 569.51 BTC. And there are 3,382 Tor nodes. That's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the morning roundup. Before I begin, I have a request for you guys. As usual, along with the normal, uh, you know, five-star rating, pass the pod on, uh, to help build the podcast a little bit better, I need some more news sources. So if you guys have like your favorite uh, places to go gather credible Bitcoin news that isn't just completely filled, and I mean completely filled with shitcoinery, there's a couple that I don't I don't look at anymore because they went way way over the ledge on that one like last year. Um, if you guys know of any sources, DM me, man. My DMs on Twitter are open. Okay, at b e n n d seven seven. That's my handle at b e n n d seven seven. Send me in like uh, good quality Bitcoin news sources and or just like flat ass stories as long as they're not from like the the normal the normal routes. I usually Use Bitcoin Magazine, BTC Times, Decrypt, Cointelegraph, Coindesk, and Crypto Potato. But if you've got like another news source that you know is is uh, quality or you think is quality, DM me that source and I'll see if I can include it in the show. Now, continuing with the morning roundup, we have MasterCard to support shitcoin payments in 2021. Jeff Benson is going to tell us about it from uh, Decrypt. Okay. MasterCard, a key player in the world of traditional payments, is getting into cryptocurrency. In a blog post today, the credit card company announced that it will start supporting select cryptocurrencies directly on our network in 2021. Though MasterCard already works with cryptocurrency payment companies like Wirex and BitPay on crypto debit cards, today's news represents a shift to allowing cryptocurrencies to move within the actual network itself. Quote, our crypto partners convert the digital assets on their end to traditional currencies, then transmit them through the MasterCard network. Our change to supporting digital assets directly will allow many more merchants to accept crypto, an ability that's currently limited by proprietary methods unique to each digital asset. This change will also cut off inefficiencies, <clears throat> letting both consumers and merchants avoid having to convert back and forth between crypto and traditional to make purchases. But with crypto, but which cryptocurrencies is the question. The announcement is cagey on that point, noting that it's looking for crypto assets that offer reliability and security. That's a direct quote, <laughs> namely stable coins. Cryptocurrencies, which are designed to hold their value relative to an asset such as the US dollar so that they can be used for payments. According to MasterCard, its criteria for integrating cryptocurrency payments boil down to consumer protection, rigid regulatory and compliance measures such as KYC, and crucially, a popular desire to use the the cryptocurrency rather than merely invest it. It is a payments platform, after all, designed to take a percentage of every transaction. That's where you're going to die. MasterCard has previously shown interest in stable cryptocurrencies. In September, it launched a platform for central banks to test their own digital currencies known as CBDCs. 
All eyes have been on Bitcoin this week as the world's largest cryptocurrency by market cap hit an all-time high after electric car maker Tesla purchased $1.5 billion. Yes, we know. We know. We're there, dude. We're there. Uh, of the asset. But but use of stable coins such as Tether and USDC has surged as retail and institutional investors ramp up their holdings and get ready to move funds. Tether today reached a circulating supply of 30 billion USDT. There's about 25% more than there was last month. It's a similar story for USDC, the second most popular stablecoin. It's gone from a market cap of 4.7 to 6.7 billion in the last 30 days. Last month, the CEO of MasterCard rival Visa, Al Kelly, said on the Q1 earnings call that his company was completing adding crypto to its network, though he did not make any commitments. Quote, to the extent a specific digital currency becomes a recognized means of exchange, there's no reason why we cannot add it to our network, which already supports over 160 currencies today, Kelly said. Looks like MasterCard has beaten Visa to it. Who gives a shit? Both of these companies are fucking dinosaurs. And they're going to compete with people. I guarantee this is what's going to happen. They're going to start competing with people that have a much stronger ethical base and are looking at the future a lot harder than the people that are in control of these companies uh, do. Because a lot of these people are like, how much did we get this quarter? How much money do we make? Blah, blah, blah. You know what Bitcoin is filled with? People who have no such compunction. I mean, filled to the brim. If you want the kind of people that run Visa and MasterCard and shit, you can go look at Ethereum and DeFi. Those are the guys that look short term. That's what, why I'm bullish on Bitcoiners pretty much all the time. Because they have this tendency to say, you know what? I don't have to be rich. I know what rich is for my life. And I don't need to scam people out of 8% transaction fees. Jesus Christ, people. 8%? I mean, at the, you're, you're approaching biblical term of usury at this point, And it's sick, right? There, I'll, I guarantee you there's a bunch of people out there who would go and shit, we'll do it for 1%. And we'll make enough money that we'll be happy and our families will be fed and we will have a nice house. Not a palatial mansion but a nice house with good neighbors that you want to talk to and kids can go play in the street and not have like two personal nannies a piece. I mean, honestly, is that really any way to any way for a child to grow up? I mean, I get it. Palatial mansion. I'm not saying it's bad. If that's what you want, Hey man, more power to you, pal. But think about all the bullshit that goes along with it. All of the bullshit that goes along with that. Right. There are better ways to live. I believe that there are better ways to live. If the only way for you to live that is better is a palatial mansion and nannies, like several nannies for each one of your children and private cooks and shit, I'm not saying anything bad about you. I'm just saying, do you really, really want to deal with all that crap? And that's why I'm bullish on Bitcoiners because there's a lot of them who are like going, dude, I don't want any of that shit. I just want to make sure that Visa and MasterCard go away. That's a really dangerous group of people because they don't give a shit about themselves as much as they do about their future and their future's future. However, um, if you're Rubini, who's never built any kind of future for himself beyond mainstream media notoriety and a crown of thorns that is the Nobel uh, Prize of Economics, uh, you get this. He, he, Rubini's saying that SEC should monitor Tesla's Elon Musk for market manipulation. 
Yeah, it's because you've never built anything for yourself. You've written freaking papers, but you've never built a company, Rubini. You don't employ anybody, Rubini, except possibly a couple of, of personal assistants that you yell and scream at all day because they have more money than you because they bought Bitcoin. Christine Lee is going to tell us about it from Coindesk. U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission should be looking to people like Tesla CEO Elon Musk for market manipulation following the electric car maker's recent decision to put Bitcoin on its balance sheet, according to economist and prominent Bitcoin critic Noriel Rubini. Musk has been tweeting about Bitcoin and Dogecoin in recent weeks. At one point, updating the bio of his popular Twitter profile to Bitcoin, Tesla filed its annual 10K report with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission Monday, saying that it bought $1.5 of Bitcoin. <coughs> the New York University economics professor similarly criticized MicroStrategy CEO Michael Saylor's irresponsible behavior for converting a significant portion of the business intelligence firm's cash reserves to Bitcoin, considering the cryptocurrency's volatility. MicroStrategy recently or currently holds 71,000 BTC, according to its SEC filing. In an interview on Coindesk TV's First Mover, Rubini warned Bitcoin could collapse if Tether, the issue of the Tether stablecoin, and crypto exchange Bitfinex are indicted this year. No, dude. Jesus. See, this is the Tether FUD, okay? Tether has an eye-popping $31 billion market cap and is subject to multiple ongoing investigations, including from the United States Department of Justice and the New York Attorney General's Office. At the center of the DOJ's criminal investigation into Tether as an organization is whether or not USDT is used to inflate the cryptocurrency markets, which is Rubini's favorite refrain. Bitfinex claimed last Friday it repaid the remaining balance of its $550 million loan to its sister firm, Tether. In 2018, the exchange borrowed over $600 million from Tether, with which it shares executives and ownership. The transaction was made public in April 2019 after the New York Attorney General's Office alleged Bitfinex lost $850 million in customer and corporate funds to payment processor Crypto Capital Corporation and use the funds from Tether's reserves to secretly cover the shortfall. Rubini predicts the world will eventually phase out cash and that the United States will create an e-dollar. Central bank digital currencies will allow central bankers to swif swiftly maneuver monetary policy and said, or he said, and normalize negative rates in times. Oh my God. Normalize negative rates in times of economic crisis. This is a man who doesn't get it. He just doesn't get it. it. It's like it's like the doctor that refuses to do anything other than treat the symptoms and never looks for what's causing the symptoms. But by God, we'll treat the symptoms and that'll be okay because then that way we'll be able to treat them the next day and the next and the next and the next. I'm telling you, man, giving Rubini a Nobel Prize is like giving a two-year-old a fucking sucker. It's, at this point, I've lost all, all hope that the Nobel Prize Committee knows anything at all about what the Nobel Prize was really all about when it was first incepted. It's just, it's sad. It really is because Rubini is clearly showing himself to be somebody who is not a critical thinker, who doesn't really understand economics outside of Keynesianism, and is just mad for control. The guy's never built anything himself. And here he is saying, well, we should get Elon Musk and, and Jack Dorsey and Michael Saylor into trouble. 
No. Well, first of all, they're not securities, nor are they equities. The things that they are talking about has are, are absolutely have absolutely nothing to do with that. If he was talking about see, this is why uh, this is why Elon Musk got in trouble about his famous 420 tweet, because he was talking about not only an equity, but his very own equity that he should take the company public or private at 420. It was a joke. But he got slapped pretty hard. Why? Because he could be slapped. Why? Because it was a freaking security slash equity. Right? It falls under the purview of the SEC, and that's when CEOs and CFOs should zip their lip. But when it's not about those things, when it's not about a regulated commodity, it's not a regulated security, it's not a security at all. It's not an equity at all. It's just this, it's this thing that they don't even know what the hell they're doing with at this point. You can talk about it. It's okay but not if you're Noriel Rabini. But the U.S. Treasury Secretary in turn, Yellen, says crypto misuse is a growing problem. So here comes the financing terrorist and child pornography and and human trafficking and money laundering uh, thing. Let's see if I'm right. Uh, Helen Parts is writing this for Cointelegraph, by the way. In February 10th, remarks to a financial sector innovation roundtable, uh, United States Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen started, stated that misuse of cryptocurrencies and virtual assets has been a growing problem alongside cyber attacks triggered by the global pandemic. Yeah, that's always the fallout of the flu is, is cyber attacks. Secretary Yellen said that despite the potential of new technologies like crypto, such assets are still associated with major risks. Quote, I see the promise of new technologies, but I also see the reality. Cryptocurrencies have been used to launder the profits of online drug traffickers. They've been a tool to finance terrorism. So I'm, I'm, I'm two for five right now. Okay. According to the official, uh, the private sector has been making a significant contribution to the government's efforts to combat these crypto-related crimes. Quote, from my time at the Fed, I know the crucial role your institutions play in combating crimes like these. The private sector invests enormous resources finding ways to stop bad actors from misusing existing technologies. You also develop new ones. So the bank robber wearing tennis, Nike tennis shoes, I guess we should close down Nike. And if they drive a car, yeah, we should close down all car companies, every single one of them, and make them take uh, public transportation, I suppose. And that T-shirt that they're using, yeah, uh, we should ban all T-shirts, those jeans and pants. All, you know, like, dude, pants, no. So uh, we'll have to wait until a bank robber wears a pair of fucking shorts before we can ban shorts and make everybody go around naked. This is stupid. This is just stupid. In the statement, Yellen also stressed the need to uh, the need of equitable innovation to help quote bring the benefits of the financial system and modern IT to more people. Bullshit. She said that the equitable innovation approach can be symbiotic with Treasury Department's existing motto of responsible innovation. That's the motto. <laughs> yeah, despite Yellen claiming the, that misuse of crypto has been a growing problem. The amount of crypto-related crimes has apparently dropped in 2020, according to Chainalysis, one of the largest crypto intelligence firms in the United States. The criminal share of all crypto activity in 2020 fell to just 0.34%. In 2019, criminal activity represented over 2% of the cryptocurrency transaction volume, according to the firm. In January of 2021, the United States Department of Justice seized half a million dollars in crypto for a major malware operator with the help of chain analysis. So, okay. Again with the FUD, all right? We're going to go this time across the pond 
where Christine Lagarde says, very unlikely that central banks will hold Bitcoin. Okay, we'll have fun staying poor, dipshit. Matthew DeSalvo, writing this for Decrypt, says, the president of the European Central Bank, Christine Lagarde, today said that it is very unlikely central banks will hold Bitcoin. Bullshit. Lagarde, who has uh, criticized the cryptocurrency in the past, reportedly said it's just out of the question that central banks will hold uh, it anytime soon during a press conference call, according to Business Insider. Though she did reportedly add that thanks to the coronavirus pandemic, a digital euro is, much, is now much more realistic and can be ready in four years. Good luck with that. Lagarde previously said that a central bank digital currency should complement but not replace traditional cash, adding that it could provide an alternative to private digital currencies like Bitcoin and Ethereum. Bitcoin is not private. Okay. Make sure that you understand that. That's going to be part of the new FUD that comes on. Remember uh, a couple of weeks ago, they were saying, or uh, it was India. Okay, the, the, the thing that's on the books with India is the use of the term private cryptocurrencies. And now here we have Lagarde saying alternative to private digital currencies like Bitcoin. Bitcoin is not private. It is not private. That's, a, that's part of the FUD that you're going to have to deal with and you're going to have to learn how to combat. Make sure you understand that you can explain why Bitcoin not only isn't private, but can never be private, okay? Find the one-line rebuttal to Christine Lagarde calling Bitcoin a private cryptocurrency because it is not. The ECB president's criticism of Bitcoin are nothing new. Lagarde, who became the ECB president following her conviction, oh, I'm sorry, I read that wrong. Uh, ECB president in November of 2019 said in January that the biggest cryptocurrency was a highly speculative asset involved in money laundering and said that there had to be global cooperation to regulate it. Good luck with that. And before that, she said that cryptocurrencies pose risks that Bitcoin did not fulfill all of the functions of money that stable coins were also a worry. But the president has also been enthusiastic about a CBDC. Lagarde said a digital euro currency could be important and could create new jobs. What for? The ECB is heavily researching the benefits of such an asset and is due to present the findings to the public for feedback. Last year, the ECB even applied to trademark the term digital euro, but the central bank still lags behind countries like China, which is already piloting a digital version of the yuan. Oh, and by the way, I can't remember when it is. I think it's tomorrow is the year of the bull, China's new year. Traditionally, we have seen the price of Bitcoin dump. Uh, during the day before the Chinese New Year, because there's a lot of Chinese people that hold Bitcoin and they want to trade it for their local currency that, so that they can go buy presents for their loved ones, which is apparently is a Chinese tradition on Chinese New Year. And this year is the year of the bull. I just love that part. So this could be explaining the the, the dumping that's going on. And by the way, it could mean that today we see an even larger dump. Okay, it's tradition, right? The, the, the day before Chinese New Year, it's traditional for Bitcoin to kind of dump. So don't freak out, right? 
Just warning you, just, just saying. More people hodling Bitcoin hurts the case for buying, selling, says uh, Morgan Stanley. Well, of course you say that, Morgan Stanley. Of course, Jamie Crawley is going to tell us about it from Coindesk. Bitcoin liquidity appears to be falling as the demand that has driven the recent bull market appears to be concentrated among a relatively small amount of investors who are unwilling to sell, according to new research by Morgan Stanley. That lack of liquidity potentially hurts its use for transactions, the investment bank said. Uh, see how these people just don't get it? And these are the people that are in charge of the world. You have to understand, they don't understand what's going on. Okay, they, they really don't. They have proven themselves time and time again to be damn near incompetent. Right. And this is what happens with the iron law of bureaucracy, especially bureaucracies that exist for multiple handfuls of decades, is that you keep it's, it's like inbreeding and you get stupider and stupider people in those organizations because they don't ask questions. They don't challenge assumptions. They don't do critical thinking. So when the guy 40 years ago hired Christine Lagarde, it was because she was not asking questions. She was not being combative. She was basically being a good little girl and she was easier to control that way. And she was probably that way to begin with because she wasn't asking questions. She just wanted a shit ton of money. And now 40 years later, she finds herself at the head of the ECB. Okay. There's no difference between her, Morgan Stanley, uh, JP Morgan, uh, Chase Bank, uh, Chase Manhattan, Bank of America. There's no difference. All of these institutions are the same. They never, ever, ever were held by somebody who wanted to be challenged in the way that they were thinking. And that's how you get morons running the world. I'm sorry, did I rant? Continuing on, <laughs> addresses holding amounts of Bitcoin uh, worth more than $1 million are on the rise with wallets holding over 100 Bitcoin owning over 60% of all coins issued. Almost 30% are held in wallets to hold between 1,000 and 10,000 coin. In the report, Morgan Stanley said the case for Bitcoin as a means of exchange becomes harder to defend if liquidity continues to fall as it won't be as attractive a vehicle for trading in goods and services. All right. So here's the other end of the can't be used for payments or should it be used for payments or how will it be used for payments? We, I think it's possible that we may be coming out of the, cl the FUD cloud of store value because now I'm seeing it's just nothing about how are we going to pay our employees? Like that's the GM thing. Twitter also, uh, their CFO, how are we going to accept it? How are we going to pay our vendors with it? How are we going to pay our people with it if they so choose? That kind of thing. We're not really seeing FUD against store value. We still see the volatility issue um, or the, the volatility FUD, but it's going away. All right. So just saying. Now, <clears throat> a little aside here. <clears throat> had a Twitter exchange uh, this with with somebody about the like I had put up the story about the European Central Bank President Christine Lagarde uh, saying that they wouldn't uh, be getting into anything other than their own currencies. And honestly, here's 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 where well here what is what Orion uh, said to me. It says he says I don't think it even matters. I expect we'll increasingly see local communities as well as amorphous global communities, why anything in between? Why would an arbitrary landmass like Europe need a bank in the first place? Okay, that's true. Now, back then, it, central banks actually made sense. 
sort of like how the uh, uh, what the electoral college made sense. But you know, we're all connected at this point, and that's pretty much the way it's going to continue on. But we've never really had this before. I mean, even in the early days of the internet, we weren't connected like this. We could have been, but we weren't. It takes while a while for the network effects to build up to the point where one day you look back and go, holy shit, I can't see the day where the world was completely interconnected. We've never done this before. So here's, here's the thing. If you want to take something away from this, it's nature. This is the way nature works. Nature wants to decentralize. That's why the universe isn't a singular mass of galaxies. And all the oxygen in a particular room doesn't suddenly get concentrated in one spot and we all die of asphyxiation. Entropy always wins. Okay? It always wins. That which has become centralized will eventually become decentralized. There's no fighting it. You, well, you can try. Well, okay, yeah, you can fight it, but you're not going to win. Entropy is way more powerful than you can possibly imagine because entropy works over days, weeks, months, years, decades, centuries, millennia, epochs, epochs, billions of years. It doesn't matter. It, it lays in wait like a tiger and it can wait and wait and wait until its centralized prey comes along and then boom, it's dead. Entropy is always going to win this battle, and you're never going to be able to fight against it. Hence, we have Jack Dorsey, who commits $1 million to Coin Center on top of Grayscale's $2 million donation. So Coin Center does good work, and they now have $3 million in operating capital. How's that? I think people are just getting tired of waking up every day and seeing the same world. There's that, that's part of entropy. I think Jack may be a, may be a better guy than we think. I, I think his, his actions at Twitter have been rather reprehensible. I don't like the orange man any more than anybody else does, but I don't hate him either. I don't give a shit. I'm not going to turn my energy over into loving or hating some dude who doesn't know my name. That's a waste of my time. However, you know, in Jack's defense, he probably doesn't get to call those shots. I guarantee you he probably doesn't get to get to call those shots. However, some of his other actions speak. That's why, that's why I'm cutting him a break about this. Because it, his actions don't look like somebody who wants to centralize and squash and destroy and, and censor. If it was, then he wouldn't be making $1 million donations to Coin Center. He wouldn't be putting $50 million of Bitcoin on Square's books. He wouldn't have built Square or he wouldn't have built uh, Bitcoin functionality into Square. And he wouldn't be talking to Jack Mahlers. You got to think critically about this. What are his actions that he does have control of versus the actions that he doesn't have control of that we are ignorant enough to ascribe that he does have control of? Like he had anything to do with freaking, you know, orange man. He probably, he probably laughed. He probably said, good, I hate orange man. I don't give a shit what he hates or loves or, or, or wishes for. I'm just looking at his actions that I know he's in control of. And I know he's in control of being able to give a million dollars to coin center to build Bitcoin functionality into square and buying $50 million of Bitcoin to put on squares books, picking up the phone and talking to Jack Mahler's picking up the phone and talking to, you know, MicroStrategy. Those are the actions that I look for and everything else is bullshit. 
All right, that said, I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.